Thank you for joining today's podcast. If God is impacting your life through this ministry, you can partner with us and give at kcalaska.com. Also, don't forget to subscribe to our channel and enjoy more messages like this one. I had the privilege of preaching at a church in Anchorage last night, shared from this text in 2 Samuel. Chapter 6. For those of you that were there, this is a totally different message. You're like, oh, I get to hear it again. Praise the Lord. Nope, nope. Different. Second Samuel, chapter 6, and uh, we'll get there in a moment. Um, Moses, a servant of the Lord, received a pattern for worship on the mountain of God. And the Lord told him to make this tabernacle and then the Ark of the Covenant and exactly how to make it. And God brought these artisans and he put his hand on different ones to do embroidery and gold work. And it really is quite amazing. If you study that, you'll see that literally the, the power of heaven, the power of the Spirit would come on different ones to, to knit, to do gold work, to make curtains, to, to do all of this incredibly ornate, very detailed, very specific work. That his power, the anointing, as we call it, the, the power of God, an unction, a release of God's power to do what he asked them to do was upon them. And so they, they made the ark and they, they made the, the tabernacle in the wilderness very specific. And at the very center of the, of the tabernacle of the wilderness was the holy of holies, the holy place where this ark was. And as time went on, Israel had a prescribed way of worship with the Levites and the high priests. And I don't want to get into all the, the, the minutiae of that, but it is important to understand the incredible continuity of, of God and, and holiness and, and sacrifice and worship and and all of those Old Testament, someone said the Old Testament, you should never be preaching out of the whole. That's like, if you don't preach from the Old Testament, sir, then, then you're just going to have some jack, jacked up theology. And you, you have to preach from the Old Testament. It's, it's types and shadows that tie into the new. We're not under the old covenant, we're under the new. But you can't throw out the Old Testament. It's the Bible that Jesus used, by the way. Okay. So... In the process of time, there was a man by the name of Saul and high priest Eli. He had two sons, Hophni and Phinehas. And uh, there was sin in Israel. Now, you can read this uh, under uh, 1 Samuel uh, chapter 4 and 5. And there was sin in the camp. What does that mean? That means that Israel was not right with God. And so... 
what was taking place, one of the things that was taking place, was that the high priest's sons were stealing from the people. And as a result, the people despised giving and they despised worship because Hophni and Phinehas would rip it off. And they would steal from the meat of the sacrifice. And they did all kinds of things that were wrong. And God spoke to Eli, the high priest, and rebuked him and said, you need to correct your sons. Now, he corrected them, but he didn't enforce it. And as a result of that, the family of Eli is eventually wiped out and no more. Judgment came down upon him and upon Israel as well. That day, that day of judgment, Ichabod, the day of judgment that came. Israel is fighting this battle. This is when it all comes down. Israel is fighting this battle against the Philistines. And they lose and they say, you know something? We need to bring the ark. Because if we bring the ark, if we bring it. In fact, I want you to go there, would you? Because this is a picture of the hour in which we live in many places in the body of Christ. 1 Samuel chapter 4. Look at verse 3. So they, they've just been defeated by the Philistines in a battle. Not the whole war, but a battle. And when the people had come into the camp, the elders of Israel said, Why has the Lord defeated us today before the Philistines? Let us bring the ark of the covenant of the Lord from Shiloh to us, that when it comes among us, it may save us from the hand of our enemies. There's a lot of things wrong with that sentence because they're talking about the Ark of the Covenant, it, when it comes, it will save us. Who will save it? it. What's it? It, the box, the power, the power of God, it. There's no personal relationship here with the Lord. They think, let's, you never want to call the Holy Spirit it. That's like causing your, calling your wife an it. It's like calling your cousin it. All part of the Adams family. The Holy Spirit's not an it. The box, the, the God box, the Ark of the Covenant is not an it. God is not it. He's God. And by them saying, let's bring it. You know, that it may save us. It's not a box that's going to save them. Who could save them? Does anybody know who could save them? Well, God could. God could save them, but they had no relationship with God. Or should I say their relationship was fractured. Their relationship had problems. It had sin. Covenant was broken. But they thought to themselves, well, if we bring the box into the camp, and the, and the box goes with us into war, which had happened at other times. God would tell them, you know, bring the Ark of the Covenant before you. And, you know, the, the, the Red Seal part. Many times they, they brought the Ark of the Covenant into battle and God was with them. There would be this thing called the shout of the king. The shout of the king. A little bit more monitor, please. The shout of the king was that shout that came from the camp of Israel when God was with them. And you'll notice this text. It says, when the Ark of the Covenant of the Lord came into the camp, all Israel shouted so loudly that the earth shook. They actually thought God was with them. So they shouted with tremendous fervency, so much so. So much so that the earth 
shook. The only thing was, God wasn't with him. You know, there's a shaking that's not produced by God. There's a a shaking of the flesh. I've seen it before. I've seen manifestations seemingly of God's power, but God's power wasn't there. It was someone fabricating what actually that might look like. You say, what are you talking about? I'm talking about the flesh. You can shout and holler, you got the victory all you want, but if Jesus ain't with you, you don't have no victory. Don't shout me down when I'm preaching it. And so they go into, they go into this battle and they lose. And not only do they lose, the ark, an unthinkable thing takes place. The ark of the covenant is captured. And the Philistines take it home. And they put it down, paraphrasing and simplifying. They put it in the, in the temple of Dagon, which is who they worship. They worship this God called Dagon. And when they put it in there, that Dagon's, I think, uh, you need to go read it, but I think his hands fell off. And so they came in the next morning for, for their Dagon worship. And there's Dagon, the idol of Dagon. He's got no hands. They're like, something's wrong. And there's the, the Ark of the Covenant. So they fix him. I mean, how many, I, I got a problem with the God you have to fix. Anyway, they fix him. And the following day, Dagon has fallen prostrate before the Lord. What, do you, what does that mean, prostrate? That means falling over face down. His head was off and they realized um, Dagon, prostrate. I saw, I saw Pastor Karen cringe and I realized I said prostrate. Prostate, it's not. <laughs> For those of you listening, I just did some crazy dance and I'm not going to do again. He fell down face before the Lord, okay? And, and his head came off and they realized um, Dagon must not be God. I think this, God actually is God. Oh, no. And they realized we have a problem. And then they really realized that they have a problem when they all ended up with hemorrhoids. I'm not making this up. This is the Bible. This is what it says. Emrons are actually hemorrhoids. So everybody of the Philistines, they all end up with hemorrhoids. And I'm telling you, they did not have preparation, anything. They didn't have anything. So they were very much plagued in a horrible way. It ruined their day. And they realized, um, we have a massive problem. We need to get rid of the box. It's uh, causing his difficulties. Send it back. And they make a new cart. And uh, they, they get this cart together, which is a nice thought. And, um, you know, they did their best. And, and somehow they make some offering of a golden hemorrhoid. And they put that in the box. And I guess God accepted it because he didn't strike them dead when they opened it or touched the box, which is kind of unusual. It's another message. They send the ark down the road to, to move along in the story of the ark and in the message. It ends up basically in a man by the name of Abinadab's house. This is during the time of Saul, King Saul, the first king of Israel. And while it's at Abinadab's house, we really don't hear much about it. It's there for 20 years. While the ark is at Abinadab's house, all the prescribed worship is taking place at Shiloh. I need to look. It could be Gilgal. 
anyway, the, the, there's a little bit of history there, little details, so you need to go study that. Don't hold me to that. But, but for certain, the high priests are doing all of their stuff, but there's no ark. So, that, I mean, it's like you're going into the tent and there's no mercy seat because that's at Abinadab's house. I mean, how crazy is that? Can you imagine if you came to church just because you had to and there was just a bunch of religion that had no power, no ability to transform your life, no ability to change you? That's what they were doing. And David then eventually becomes king, man after God's own heart, the only one that's called the sweet psalmist of Israel. And the first thing he does is decide, I want to go get the box. I want to go bring the ark to Jerusalem. And so that is the text that I'm going to read from now. And then First Chronicles uh, chapter 13. So stand with me if you would. 2 Samuel chapter 6, and we, we like to stand for the reading of God's word in honor of it. And we'll read 2 Samuel 6, verse 6. And they, when they came to Nacon's threshing floor, so they're moving the ark. They've picked it up from Abinadab's house. Uzzah put out his hand to the ark of God and took hold of it, for the oxen stumbled. And the anger of the Lord was aroused, and God struck him there, for his error, and he died by the ark of God, and David became angry because the Lord's outbreak against Uzzah, and he called the name of that place Perez Uzzah. To this day, verse 9, David was afraid of the Lord that day, and he said, how can the ark of the Lord come to me? I want you to say that. How can the ark of the Lord come to me? So David would not move the ark, that was wise, we do not move the ark of the Lord with him into the city of David, but David took it aside to the house of Obed-Edom, the Gittite. And the ark remained in the house of Obed-Edom, the Gittite, three months. And the Lord blessed Obed-Edom and all his house. Now it was told, saying, The Lord has blessed the house of Obed-Edom and all that belongs to him because of the ark of God. So David went up and brought the ark of God from the house of Obed-Edom to the city of David with gladness. With what? Gladness. And so it was... When those bearing the ark of the Lord had gone six paces, that he sacrificed oxen and fatted sheep. And, the, and then, David, then David danced before the Lord with all his might. How much of his might? All of it. And David was wearing a linen ephod. So David and all the house of Israel brought up the ark of the Lord with shouting the sound of the trumpet. Now as the ark of the Lord came to the city of David, Michael... Saul's daughter, that's David's wife, looked through a window and saw King David leaping and whirling, my, before the Lord. And she despised him in her heart. So they brought the ark of the Lord and set it in the place in the midst of the tabernacle that David had erected for it. Fascinating. It's called the tabernacle of David. And David offered burnt offerings and peace offerings before the Lord. And when David had finished offering burnt offerings and peace offerings, he blessed the people in the name of the Lord of hosts. Then he distributed among all the people, among the whole multitude of Israel, both women and men, to everyone a loaf of bread, a piece of meat, and a cake of raisins. So all the people departed, everyone to his house. And David returned to bless his household. And Michael, his, the daughter of Saul, came out to meet David and said, How glorious was the king of Israel today, uncovering himself today in the eyes of the maids of his servants. 
as one of those base fellows shamelessly uncovers himself. So David said, it was before the Lord who chose me instead of your father and all of his house to appoint me ruler over the people of the Lord, over Israel. Therefore, I will play music before the Lord and I will be even more undignified than this. And I will be humble in my own sight. But as for the maidservants whom you've spoken, by them I'll be held in honor. Therefore, Michael, the daughter of Saul, had no children to the day of her death. Father, I pray that at this moment now, this nine o'clock service, that you would move in great power, that you would touch every hungry heart, that you would cause the hearts that are not hungry to be made hungry. Every man, every woman, every child be brought low and you be glorified and magnified. I thank you for it. In Jesus' name, amen. You may be seated. So David becomes king. And his first act as king is to go get the ark. To go bring the ark. And the ark is a, it's a visible object lesson of the presence of God, if I could just say it that way. God's presence dwelled upon the ark. And there were these cherubim, these wings that faced each other. You can go look at the design, and maybe you've seen some artwork or seen Raiders of the Lost Ark, which is not biblical whatsoever, except the ark might look similar to what the ark was like. And, um, and so this presence, the Shekinah glory of God, if you're from the deep south, the Shekinah, it's another way to say that. The Shekinah glory of God dwelled between the cherubim. And so David goes and gets the ark. Let me say, first of all, that if you're going to have a move of God, if you're going to see souls saved, the power of God put on display, you have to have leadership that actually desires that. So for 20 years, the ark of God, the power of God, rests inside some guy's house whose name is Abinadab, and Saul never went to go get it. And I will tell you in your own life, you can stay a religious person. You can be religious all you want to and have no power. It's up to you. If you want to have power in your life, if you want to see the breakthrough of God in your life, there are prescribed ways of seeing that happen. Somebody say, well, God knows where I live and he can come and visit me. Yeah, that's true. But he touches us in direct proportion to the hunger that we have. And he spoke in parables, as, as he said to his disciples, to hide truth. He hides truth from casual observers, but releases truth to those who are hungry and thirsty. And God wants us to have truth. But truth just doesn't come just because you woke up today. Blessed are those who hunger and thirst for righteousness. They shall be filled. So you see this contrast between Saul, who didn't give a flip that the ark of God was in a bin at some guy's house as a piece of furniture, which I will prove here in a moment, and, and could not care whether it came and whether he worshipped before it. And he ended up, he ended up consulting the witch, a witch of Endor. He had no relationship with God and ended up becoming a pagan. I mean, horrible. I got that right? Saul. Man, I, I think I might be tired. David, David had a, uh, Solomon. Solomon is the one that con consulted the witch of Endor. Am I got that right? No, it's Saul. Okay, thank you. I mean, this is like the 15th message I've preached in a row, and I got like five hours of sleep, so give me a break. All right. So, I mean, I, I'm, I'm never going to consult a witch. 
I don't know about you, I did that before, it didn't work out too good, ended up with Emron's. Those of you who are clapping know fully, you probably consulted also. So Saul doesn't care about God's glory coming. David cares, two different kinds of leaders. And so David goes to get the ark and bring it to Jerusalem, but he does it the wrong way. He didn't follow the prescribed way of carrying the ark. Carrying the ark of God is to be carried on the shoulders of men by Levites. And that's a picture of God's glory coming on the inside and upon his people and being carried throughout all the earth. That the glory of the Lord would cover the earth as the waters cover the sea. You know how that's going to happen? It's not just some hovering of the spirit, although that is, does take place and is taking place. But God comes to live inside of your heart and my heart that wherever we go, the kingdom would go. For where the king is, so is the kingdom. And so where you go, if you go to Botswana, then the kingdom of God, should you realize it and step up and release all that God wants to do in and through you, then the kingdom of God has come to Botswana. But wherever you go, Jesus living on the inside, working on the outside, wherever you go, it's like the glory of God is being carried wherever you go. And that's how the glory of the Lord is going to cover the earth. Every nation, every tribe, every tongue. So they bring this ark and it's this incredible procession, well-meant, well-meaning, but ill-informed. And so this guy, his name is uh, Uzzah. He is the son of Abinadab. And when the cart hit a pothole, which are all over the place right now in Alaska. When the cart hit a pothole, the ark of God, they didn't have ratchet straps, you know what I'm talking about? The ark of God began to fall over and well-meaning, Abinadab's son reached out and said, steadied it. And when he steadied it, his error, it talks about his error, that God basically split him open. The Lord broke out with power and split him open. And there is Abinadab, I'm sure Ohio is his name, I think is his, is his brother's name. And they're watching the, his entrails smoking as he's now dead. And David said to himself, he got angry and he, and he realized, man, we're doing something wrong. Something is not right here. And so what then David does is he goes and he gets this guy. His name is Obed-Edom. And I've preached this before and others have preached it as well. Obed-Edom, obeying his king, takes the, the ark and it's brought to Obed-Edom's house. Obed-Edom, I think, had the fear of the Lord. I think he had the fear of the Lord because he saw his cousin or whatever, you know, dead because he touched the box. So the ark comes to Obed-Edom's house. And can you imagine what that would be like? Can you, you imagine walking and it's this, you know, it's the God box. Like, don't touch it. Kids, don't touch it. And I've had a lot of fun with this text before. I know you children ain't used to listening to me. But let me walk you out and take a look at our cousin Uzzah. Okay, line up all your five kids. That's Uzzah. And they're all, you know, because he's dead and he's smoking and he's dead. 
Yes, the box killed him. Don't touch the box. Repeat after me. Don't touch the box. Okay, Dad, I'm going to touch the box. I think they had no problem obeying. So they bring the box and they put it in his house. And it says in the text that, for, that the Lord blessed the house of Obed-Edom. Now, I can't help myself because I just love this part in previous messages I've preached. That means God blessed him, blessed his family, blessed his marriage, blessed his home, blessed his kids, blessed his finances, blessed his crops, blessed him. That means when it was raining somewhere else, he had sunshine. I got sunshine on a cloudy day when it's cold outside. I got the month of May. I guess you said, what can make me? (laughs) Talking about Right. You saw sister act as well. Anyway. David hears about it. Now you gotta go to the corresponding text. And that's found in Chronicles chapter thirteen. And what happens here is that David does some study. He begins to inquire about what is the right way to carry the ark. And he finds out that Levites are required to carry it. He says, oh, that's what those rings are on the side of there. They're for poles. Oh, and they start figuring it out. I've heard people say, you know, I, I love God. I just worship him the way that I want to. And that's a completely unbiblical idea. You can't worship God how you want to. There is a prescribed way of worshiping him. And that is basically to love the Lord your God and to believe on his son. That is the chief purpose of man is to believe on Jesus Christ, God's one and the only begotten son, to be redeemed to be cleansed, to be forgiven, and then to walk in his purpose and his plan and to reach others to do the same thing. That is why you're alive, to be a lover of God and a deliverer of men. That's why we're here. That is the vision, basically, of our church, to to experience life with people, power, and purpose. That's what God's purpose is, basically, for us here at King's. That's what God's purpose is for you in your life. And they were doing it wrong. Look with me, if you will. First Chronicles chapter 13. It's the same story, but it's got some details that are a little bit different uh, or more detailed, sort of a different side, the way it's, it's told. One of the things you see is uh, they come, David hears about all the blessing in Obed-Edom's house, so they're like, I knew it, I knew it, I knew it. The glory, the, the God box, the ark, we need to bring, I knew it. Bring it to the city. The whole, this is too big for one man's house. It's got to bless the whole nation. God wants to bless the whole nation. So they go and they, they do it right. 
And they offer, uh, in our text talks about it, every six steps they'd have this massive sacrifice. And I mean, if you go look at what they're slaughtering, some of you have been involved in hunting and butchering of bulls, uh, you know, moose. And, and it's a lot of blood. Every six steps, they're offering so much sacrifice that for 20 miles, it's a trail of blood that goes to Jerusalem. And David's worships before the Lord six steps with all his might. I mean, what does that look like? Let me ask you this question. It's, uh, it's rhetorical, which means you don't have to answer it out loud. But I mean, ask yourself, have you ever worshiped the Lord with all your might? All your might. No, I mean like all your might. That would mean that at the end of your time of worship, you would be sweating, out of breath, and like you gave it everything you got. Okay, so that's not... That's not what that is. Although I don't think it has to be a physical exertion. It could be with all your might. It could be really with all your heart. But, but many times I've found when all my heart is involved, my physicality gets involved too. Don't shout me down when I'm preaching good. With all his might, his wife criticizes him. And she ends up barren. Uh, don't ever criticize somebody's worship. It's a big mistake. I mean, I've seen some stuff that is uh, different. But from this text and others, I've learned, just don't even put your mouth on it. Now, if it's the flesh, we're not afraid of stopping that. I've seen, I've seen those who are exhibitionists call their exhibition worship. I'm happy to stop that any day of the week. It's something, something that's pulling people's attention off of the Lord and onto them while they dance around with a, a mid-riff shirt showing everything, defiling the nations in the name of worship. <laughs> Look at your neighbor and say, well, it's good to be in church at 9 o'clock in the morning. Let me give you just a couple lessons from this and tie it into this um, incredible day that we have today of launching our, our small groups and our teams. The ark was lost. The power of God was lost. The presence of God, covenant was lost when they, when they decided to try to manipulate him and seek his will. If you'll seek God's will, he will show up, lead you, and guide you, and direct you. You can try to arm twist him as much as you want. He will not have his arm be twisted. They use the ark like, like some people use a cross around their neck. I don't happen to be wearing a gold cross or a silver cross currently. I'm certainly not against them. At different times in my life, I've worn them. But just because you have a cross hanging around your neck doesn't mean that you're blessed. Any more than you might as well wear a lucky rabbit foot around your neck. It'd be about the same power. You know, the seven sons of Sceva had no relationship with the Lord, yet they tried to go do exploits for him. In the name of Jesus, we adjure you. That's the King James. Tried to cast out devils there in the New Testament in Jesus' name. And the demons say, um, Paul, we know. Oh, we, we adjure you. We cast you out in the name of Jesus who Paul preaches. That's what they said. And the, and the demon says, Paul, uh, Jesus, we know. Paul, we have heard about that's so profound. Now, who are, 
who in the devil's name are you? And they jumps on them and rips all their clothes off. And they change their name of their ministry from Skiva, Skiva Ministries to Naked, Bleeding, and Wounded. Because they run away naked, bleeding, and wounded. The ark was lost when they tried to manipulate God and tried to, you know, twist his arm or use him as a, as a talisman as opposed to relationship. It's an amazing picture of what happens in a church when we just go through the motions and actually don't have holiness, don't have purity, don't really seek him, don't really pray. The desire of David was to have the ark return, a picture of, of, of the power of God. And this Uzzah reaches out and he touches the ark. It's, it's familiarity breeding contempt. So we don't let children run up on the platform and do whatever they want to. Why is that? Because as one generation called this the sacred desk, it's, it's a place where God's word comes forth. It's a place where we, we look to the Lord and pray for the sick and see his power be released. Now, granted, his power should be released in your car, in your living room, in the kitchen, everywhere you go. But if you, if you don't teach your children right, like Eli, Eli corrected them, but he didn't enforce it. And if you don't teach them right, they'll end up basically not having a fear of the Lord and end up like this kid. You know, if you don't, if you don't your actions can communicate that it's all a joke. And here David goes and he gets the ark. And I had you repeat that. How can the ark come to me? How can the glory of God come to my home? How can I grow in your presence and your power? How can I grow in relationship with you? God, how can we see your, your power and your presence, your word, the gospel permeate the nation? How do we see that happen? And it's a wonderful prayer. Well, the first thing I would say is that you, you got to get involved. Notice that David, he, when he figured out how to do it, it took Hundreds of people. Now, I need to bring it further out, but they, they, it took a whole group of Levites and worshipers and people. It took people. Our church is not built on one or two or three people unless you want to call that one person Jesus. He's the cornerstone. What's happening here is people getting involved, growing, connecting one with another to bring God's glory. A, a, a company of people. And it is absolutely amazing. Do you know that it takes hundreds of people to do what happens here every, every single Sunday, every single week? A whole team of people. We have, we have an army back there discipling all those beautiful children so that they won't become oozas. Right now, they're, they're teaching the word. They're they pray, and, and it's, it's a safe environment. So not everybody can work in children's ministry, but how many of you know, we need, thank God. I'm not called to children's ministry. Hallelujah. I had enough children's ministry in my own home. Actually, Pastor Karen did much of that, and it was a blessing. It was challenging. It really takes, it really takes a mother and a father to raise a family. Did you know that? You say, what if I'm a single parent? Well, you need to get connected all up in the church so that you can have role models, healthy role models, whether you're a single dad or a single mom. Healthy role models. 
I didn't have a healthy role model growing up. My dad was a, he was a good man. He, was, he had a fear of the Lord in many ways. But he wasn't, a, you know, a spirit-filled on fire, teaching me the word, teaching me how to walk in purity and holiness. It didn't, you know, I wasn't born again when I was a kid. I didn't even know about that. I was witnessed to by some long hairs. That's another name for hippies. When I was a kid, I was in elementary school, came up and shared with me the love of Jesus. And they're wearing tie-dyes. And they're like, he really loves you, man. I'm like... Okay, mom told me about people like you. You know, stranger danger, run. But, the, but what they said got into me. He loves you, he's got a plan for your life. And it just went right into me like, Jesus loves me. And you know, I'd go to Catholic church and see him on a cross. I think I was six years old when I came into the Catholic church. My mama told me this story, I don't remember it, but brought me in and I saw him on the cross, it was so quiet. And I screamed from the back, Jesus, jump! They're going to kill you! <laughs> it's a preacher at six. But I'm so thankful I was able to come into a church where there was a family of, of believers. You know, we've, we've, we've been a part of this thing for 20-something years. I came in when I was in my 20s, Pastor Karen also. And I saw what it is to be a good father. I saw, I saw what a, a, a healthy family looked like. I hadn't seen that before. I got to study them and see it. I got to get involved. You know, David brings the ark, and it didn't, it wasn't just David. It was the Levites. And in fact, Obed-Edom, he becomes a traveling minister from that. In fact, I love you, a traveling minister. He moved. He, he packs his bags and he's like, uh, we're all moving to Jerusalem because we're not going away from the God box. This, uh, you know, oh, I got sunshine. Yeah, yeah, we're going to stay with the sunshine because we ain't going to do the cloudy day anymore. We're all moving to Jerusalem. You hear me? We're moving to Jerusalem. Get your rucksacks together. And I'm not sure what that is, but, but we're going to Jerusalem because we're going to stay Near the ark. We're going to be near the ark. It, it was in our house. I'm ruined forever. I mean, can you imagine waking up at night and just seeing like rainbows going across your house and hearing the sound of glory? Can you imagine peeking in in the middle of the night and just seeing this, this crackling glory in the middle of the cherubim? He's like, oh God, oh God. Oh. And then huge vegetables are being produced everywhere. And then when it's raining somewhere else, I got sun. Yes, that's exactly right. The glory of God came to his house. He was so blessed. For three months, the man's hooked. I'm telling you, when you get touched by God, when God touches you deep down in the city of your soul and you experience a measure of his presence, his power, and his glory, you will never go back to dead, dying religion ever again. You'll be like, how can the God box? I need some more of this. I need more God in my life. I need more of his power, more of his presence. I ain't gonna go back and be dead twice pulled up from the roots. Religion that has no breakthrough. If you don't have breakthrough in your life, God wants you to have it. But I want to tell you that it takes a team. Everybody say team. team. It takes a team of people. It's not one person. It's a team. And I am so grateful for the team that we have. Pastor Karen, would you, would you join me for a moment? I want to share with you a unique aspect of our church. We have what is called teams and we have life groups. Now, 
There's really three components to how we're discipling people. Let me break that down, and then if you could share, Pastor Karen. You look beautiful today, by the way. Thank you. I love your hair. Oh, thanks. Three components. First of all, Matthew 25 says, Go, all authority has been given to me. Go and make disciples. That is a mandate. It's the great commission, and in some places, it's the great omission. That is what we are called to do. So the reason we're growing like we are is because at some level we're accomplishing that. But I, how many of you know when you're really close to things and you really start taking a hard look, you're like, you see all the warts and you see all the, I see where the Lord wants to bring us. And one of the challenges we have here is to see you get involved in carrying the ark. What do you mean? It's important, it's imperative that you get plugged in at some level and serve. You're like, oh man, it's 1020. I hope he's going to be done because I just want to come and leave. May the Lord touch you in such a way that you realize that there's more to your Christian walk and more to changing a nation than just coming and leaving. And listen, if you're coming and leaving, please just keep coming and leaving then. Fine. But I hope at some point during these messages that I preach to you that you'll come to understand what real discipleship is. It's not just coming to a church on a Sunday morning. Amen. It's not just coming to a church on a Sunday morning. Amen, Pastor Karen? Amen. You know, you said uh, our mission here is to, if you know, our mission is to experience life with people, people power, power, and purpose. And, purpose right. and that's the amazing thing about Obed-Edom. He didn't stay alone in his house, he went and he went and became a part of that team that um, became a part of that team. And so, and in fact, he never stops becoming part of the team. Right. Go study this guy's life. He's like a doorkeeper. He's like, oh, eat him, oh, eat him, oh, eat him. You're like, right. man, what's with the guy? He, he got touched by something. He's never going to, never going to go back to right. the old thing again. Right. And so this today is our fall kickoff where we kick off all of our life groups, like we said, and our teams. And this month, we're doing a highlight of our teams. Our, we have many different teams. We have our experience team, which is our ushers, greeters, security, our safety team, hospitality, keepers of the house. If you ever wonder why the, the, this place looks clean. It doesn't happen by a secret no, angel. No, it doesn't. Sometimes I think at my house that my family thinks so. Voila. Amen. That angel's that, name is Pastor Karen. Yeah. And then we have an amazing team of people, and we always uh, need more help uh, doing that. Anyway, and there's a the generational team, like Minister David was talking about earlier, work with our children, our young adults, our junior high, our youth, our seniors. And then we have our uh, creative team, which, of course, is all of our production, light, sound, media, worship, dance, etc. And then we also have our community team, and that's our transformation ministry we do prayer and evangelism and our outreaches and things. So we are highlighting one of those teams. We're doing little info meetings every Saturday for this whole month at 10 a.m. Uh, and out in the lobby, you can find a big poster or a, uh, what's the word, banner. And you can find out more about it. Also, like Pastor Daniel was mentioning, find out more in here. All of our life groups, all of our teams. There's little uh, touch cards that have the contact information for the different leaders, if you're interested in that group, I encourage you to, to do that. It is so powerful. Amen. It is so powerful to be a part of this community of believers. I love it. Amen. Thank you, Pastor Karen. So, amen. 
So David brings the ark with proper knowledge and uh, involvement with all his heart. He brings the ark back to Jerusalem into what is called the tabernacle of David. Now, this is fascinating, and I'll close with these thoughts. And uh, could I have my keys, please? The tabernacle of David. So this prescribed way of worshiping God, given to Moses and passed down through the law, is all still taking place while David goes and gets the ark. It's not like they stopped. They continued, but they didn't have the centerpiece that is God. David brings the ark back in the prescribed way, but God allows him a special dispensation of grace to worship God in a completely unprescribed way, completely against the law, not against, actually, the heart of the law is manifested in love of worshiping God with all your heart, not rules and regulations. And God allowed it. What David did is he set up worshipers all the way around the ark in this tent of David, And if you go and study in in Chronicles, that text we're looking at, he brings families. He brings moms and dads and children. And they worship God, not for for just an hour and a half on a Sunday morning. They worship God 24 hours a day, seven days a week for a period of time. It's called the Tabernacle of David. It's a picture of New Testament worship. It's a picture of day and night, night and day, 24 hour a day, worship and worship coming before the Lord. Why? Because he's worthy. I will tell you, that's a part of the vision of this house. We will go. We will be a church that never closes. We built the the whole new building is designed that way. Can you imagine at three in the morning, you're feeling a tug. You show up and there's a worship leader. Worship's taking place. And there's people reading the word Can you imagine a church that never closed? You know, the church is not supposed to be closed. We had it right all those years ago with blue laws that didn't sell things on Sunday. Had it right all those years ago where you could just show up and go into a church because the doors are open. We we had that now, then all our stuff would be ripped off. But if it was housed with worshipers, would that be amazing? That God would elevate so many leaders and so many servants that we never had to close. You know, the Lord's given me a gift of zeal, passion for him. And I come to realize that there might be a limit to how many services I could do. How many do you think you could do? I I think I could do 20, maybe 30 in a week. Could you do 100? I don't have faith for that. I have faith for 20 or 30. I'm just saying I do. I'm not sure about my staff. Bring it, says Minister Micah. So why would you do that? Because he's worthy. I think where he brought me from. Oh my God. (laughs) I'm thinking about what he's done for me. Keep your Xbox and the, and, the, and the latest updated 2K. Keep it. 
Give me Jesus. Give me more of him. I want his presence. I want to I grow in you. Yeah, I want to have fun doing it too. God is doing something so amazing here. The Lord spoke to me as I was away from you for about nine, ten days. And he said, I'm trying to create a movement here. A movement that's not around just your preaching and teaching. A movement, and I do my best to tilt you towards heaven that great leaders and a movement of people carrying the glory, carrying the power, a movement. Not a personality-driven thing, a movement where people come to understand who they are in God and the amazing role they have, whether it be in hospitality or the experiencing ushers and greeters, that all of us are to carry the ark on our shoulders. It takes a team of people to do it. God is going to raise up many here in this five-fold ministry. Apostles, prophets, evangelists and teachers, pastors. He's raising them up. There's an increase of the apostolic unction of God upon us to plant more and more churches. Listen, it ain't about our building. The building be done. We're going to reach souls, and we're going to plant more churches. We've, I've got people that are that are stirring it like I got to do something in Indonesia. I have to. We have to do something in Indonesia. We have to do something. Oh God, we will. I'm just going to tell you, we will put, we will plant as many churches as God will give us leaders. So if God gives you a hundred, listen, just because you think you're a leader and you're qualified, that doesn't, that's not how that works. You need to be qualified before the Lord, qualified before your family, qualified before all the other leaders, qualified before the whole house. God elevates that way. We're not gonna send somebody that's, that's damaged and, and hurting and broken in their own heart and in their mind for what? To go hurt and break other people? Wounded disciples make wounded disciples. We're going to plant churches in Amsterdam. The Chewies have a heart for Amsterdam. Chaplain Rick and P have a heart for Indonesia. I got another family who's got a heart for Virginia. How are you going to do that? I have no clue. But we're going to bring the ark to Indonesia. See, aren't there other people? Oh, there probably are. But, but God doesn't burden us with burdens like that for no reason. He does it for purpose. He's preparing a place. I'm telling you, we're living in the most exciting times. The most exciting times. And you think it's fun to catch a fish? I think it's fun to catch fish too. Is it fun to shoot a moose and fill your freezer? I think that's fun. Some people think it's more fun than I do. I like all the guns and the clothes and stuff. I like sleeping in my own bed. Amen. A little problem with hunting there. Wouldn't mind squeezing the trigger and then being translated right back to my bed. <laughs> Would you pack that out for me? I gotta go. <laughs> Experience life. 
It's people, power, purpose. Say it with me. Experience life with people, power, purpose. Say it again. Experience life. We're creating a movement. There's hundreds of leaders that will be raised up. Hundreds. There's a whole company of prophets, people that can prophesy that's being raised up. Get involved. Get, get plugged in. Be a part of what's taking place. Amen. You can bring these uh, guides home. I think there's a whole stack of them out there. I got that right? Good. And uh, you can bring this fall guide. And then there's, there's a whole table out there. And I'm going to go ahead and close. And give you an opportunity to visit that. And, and uh, see what the Lord would have you do over this next this next season. It's not, a, it's not a life sentence. This next season, carry the ark. Bring the, yeah, let me just say this and I'll close. Uh, this will be my, my, my second closing, I think. Anybody that ever opened their house, I can say this categorically. Over the years of pastoring, these 20 plus years, anybody that ever opened their house to do a, a small group in their house, it was like they moved the ark in to do a life group in their house. A home Bible study, prayer, share meeting for an hour and a half once a week in their home. People that did that, their lives, I mean, everything just blows up for good. It's like when it's raining somewhere else, they got sunshine. Did you get something from the Lord? With every head bowed, every eye closed all across this place. If you're not right with God, don't leave this place in that condition. Give your life to Christ. It's the most important thing I could say to you today is to get right with God. The first step in changing your life and the only way to make it to heaven is to believe on Jesus and to receive him as your Lord and Savior. You receive him by believing that he died on a cross and rose again. You receive him by not only believing that, but confessing your sin. Ask him to forgive you, to cleanse you, to wash you by making him Lord of your life. If you've never done that before, I implore you, I plead with you, I beg you on Christ's behalf to be reconciled to God. Don't have religion as a little lucky talisman around your neck. Have a relationship with the one who made you. Call on him. Repent and receive him. If you've never done that in a moment, I'm going to ask you to raise your hand. You want to give your heart to Jesus for the first time. Secondly, you want to recommit because you drifted. You drifted. You gave your heart to Jesus before, but you know you're not right with him now. Or thirdly, you just want to be assured of your salvation all across this place, down in Dillingham, California, all across this great nation, streaming all over the world. Examine your heart right now. Are you right with God? Or are you like a Saul? Saul believed in God. Now you won't be like a David, except for the issue with Bathsheba. You want to be like David. Get involved. Worship him with all your heart. How can the glory of God come to me? How can I walk in closer proximity to Jesus? And get involved in teams. Want to give your heart to Jesus for the first time? Want to recommit or you just want to be sure? All across this place, those online, the count of three, just slip your hand up as an acknowledgement that you want to be included in this prayer. One, two, three. Would you raise your hand unashamed? Raise your hand high until I see it. God bless you, sir. God bless you. God bless you, ma'am. 
God bless you all the way there in the back. God bless you right in the middle. God bless you. Thank you, sir. All the way in the back. I see that hand. God bless you. Anybody else? Just raise your hand high. Those online, again, God bless you. Would you stand with us all across this place? I want to receive Jesus. You've lifted your hand or you didn't. You know you need to be included. Then just pray this prayer out of sincerity of heart. Pray with me. Say, Dear Heavenly Father, thank you for sending your son Jesus to die in my place and to rise again from the grave for me. Forgive me of all of my sin. Wash me and cleanse me. Make me new. Thank you for loving me. Thank you for hearing my prayer. Amen. Let me pray for you and we'll close. Father, thank you for what you've done today. And thank you for filling your people now. Holy Spirit, I pray, fill and touch. Break every bondage. Break every chain. Release your power in Jesus' name. Fill these with your precious Holy Spirit and use us. Help us. Remove every obstacle there is that would keep us from getting involved, that would keep us from experiencing life. The devil comes to steal, kill, and destroy. You have come that we might have life and life to the full. Break every wall, every dividing tether that would keep us from experiencing life with people, power, and purpose. We give you praise. In Jesus' name, put your best hand clap together for God. May the Lord bless you. Cause his face to shine upon you. Lift up his countenance towards you. Be gracious to you. Keep you and give you peace. God bless you. Don't miss tonight, six o'clock. We love you. Thank you for joining today's podcast. If God is impacting your life through this ministry, you can partner with us and give at kcalaska.com. Also, don't forget to subscribe to our channel and enjoy more messages like this one.